Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. Hour number two. We are rolling right along here. I'm Brandon Kylie. Ben Alpert helping us out on the other side of the glass. Hit me up on Twitter. I am at BK Sports Talk. Always get involved in the, uh, in the show on the Protein House Eat With a Purpose text line at 69306. If you missed any of the first hour, you can check it out on the podcast page, 610sports.com or the radio.com app. That's where you can find all of the podcast for the show. Coming up in 10 minutes, Seth Kaiser of The Athletic is going to join me. I want to run by my opinion that the Chiefs should trade for Le'Veon Bell. We'll do that coming up in just about 10 minutes. Plus, coming up at 1130. Don't know how many of you guys saw this earlier this week. It didn't make the same waves as uh, Jamal Charles or Derek Johnson. Dwayne Bowe signed a one-day contract. I think Dwayne Bowe is the most underrated Chiefs player in the last 20 years. I really do believe that. We'll get into that coming up at 1130. But right now, I think the Royals' new core has officially arrived. We've talked a lot on this show about the Royals' core because I think it's the only thing that's interesting about this Royals' season, personally. I mean, they have literally the worst record in the American League. They are the second-worst record right now in all of baseball. But they do have some interesting things to talk about, specifically with the core right now. So I was going through this the other day. I made a list of the pieces that I believe, as of today are a significant part of the core for the Royals moving forward. Here's what I've got. This is just the position player. So of the nine position players every day, here's what I've got for you. At catcher, Salvador Perez. It seems obvious there's no no need to give an opinion on this one. We all agree Salvador Perez is part of the core. At second base, Nicky Lopez. If you've watched the Royals, and I totally understand if you haven't, but you should listen to them right here on 610 Sports Radio if you haven't been watching. Nicky Lopez has been really good. Nicky Lopez has, so far, through four games, he's batting 375. He's getting on base at a 475 clip. He has three doubles and an RBI. He's been really good for the Royals so far. Everything you could have expected and then some at the plate, and he's been the exact type of defender that you expected him to be making all of the plays that you would need him to. So Nicky Lopez, part of the core at second base. Adalberto Montesi, part of the core at shortstop. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and update the current pace that Adalberto Mondesi is on because it's absurd. He's on pace right now for 36 doubles, it's a good season, 22 triples, which is ridiculous, 18 home runs. I've been a little surprised by the lack of home run production. I bet you that kicks up here pretty soon. Something that will not kick up because this is ridiculous. 130 RBIs is his current pace and 60 steals. Adalberto Mondesi right now is on pace for 66-0 steals this season. I don't have to tell you how absurd that is. That's something you could see in the 1980s. Mondesi's current pace would be the most steals that any players had in the MLB since 2010, Juan Pierre. It's been a decade since anybody's done this. So Adalberto Mondesi, yeah, that guy, part of the core for the Royals moving forward. Hunter Dozier. 
I believe, despite the little bit of a downturn, downtick in his production lately, still having a good season, batting 300 for you. He's got a 975 on ba- or OPS for you. On pace for 30 doubles, 30 homers, 85 RBI. That's a guy you want as part of your core. So third base, Hunter Dozier. Right field, Whit Merrifield. Whit Merrifield's having a really good season. He's having a Whit Merrifield year. And at designated hitter, I think right now, although there have been some troubling signs, Jorge Soler. I think Jorge Soler, as of today, you'd still consider him to be part of the core. Strikeouts are a bit concerning, but as of today, I would include him. So the my, my list of the six guys, Salvi at catcher, Nicky Lopez at second, Adalberto Mondesi at short, Hunter Dozier at third, Whit Merrifield in right, Jorge Soler in at designated hitter. That leaves three spots. Right now, the Royals don't have an answer at first. They don't have an answer in left. They don't have an answer in center. I think you can make a pretty strong case that the answer in left for next season is going to be Alex Gordon. Alex Gordon told Jeffrey Flanagan yesterday he's leaning towards playing another year so long as that other year is in Kansas City. So that's important. And this year, he's been really good. He's on pace to have one of the best age 30-plus seasons that we've seen in Royals history. Full stop, end of story. So the two spots that the Royals really need an answer at are center field and first base. Center field's going to be tough to find. Those things don't just grow on trees. The third base tree, that doesn't exist for center field for the Kansas City Royals or elsewhere. First base you can find, those guys are a dime a dozen. I say all of that to say this. The Royals aren't as far away as we think. Now, the pitching is a problem, but Jorge Lopez is going to be a reliever. You've got something with Danny Duffy. Despite the rough season from Brad Keller, I'm still a believer in him as a middle-of-the-rotation guy at worst. He's a guy that's going to be able to eat innings for you. I think this is going to go down as one of his bad seasons. So right now at a 4-6 ERA, if your bad year is around there, that's pretty good. That can play. He's on pace right now for a 4-6 ERA, and he's on pace to throw 209 innings. You'll take it. It's not great. You'd like it to be better, but you'll take it from a guy like Brad Keller. You still need more pitching. And that's where the questions come up, but it's also where I look down to single A, and they've got three guys coming up. This year in the draft, they've got the number two overall pick. They're not going to take a pitcher, pitcher there, it doesn't sound like, but they can take one in the second round, the third round, their comp picks. Like They're going to have options for who they're going to have pitching coming up in this year's draft. So if I'm looking at the Royals today, if I'm a Royals fan, and I'm saying to myself, okay, What's the reason to be optimistic? Like, the team right now has the worst record in the American League. They have the second worst record in all of baseball. They're going to have the number two pick in this year's draft. They're probably going to have the number two pick in next year's draft. That's where they would be if the season ended today. Why should I be excited about this? I understand. It's hard. It's not easy to get excited when you're watching the Rangers beat them 16-1 to the other day. I totally get it. The reason to be excited is because for the first time in a while, outside of the Royals World Series run, you feel like you have a core to build around. And the pitching is coming. It might not feel that way, but it is coming. And it's not on a totally different trajectory from where your current roster stands. I think if I'm a Royals fan, I start judging this team in 2021. Next year is going to be another year, not this bad, but another rebuilding year. 2021 is the next time where I think as a Royals fan, it is okay for you 
to look at the team and say to yourself, it's time to win. It's time. It, it, it's it's enough of the we're on our way there. We're trying to get this right. 2021 will be the time when it is. It is time for us to start winning. It is time for us to get back on track and to get back to the playoffs. At that point, it will have been six years since the Royals last made the playoffs. I think it's fair to expect over the course of six years that your leadership can find a way to get it back on track. I did want to talk briefly about Whit Merrifield because earlier this week, we had the Nikki Lopez call up. And so on Tuesday night, I believe it was, Whit Merrifield had his 500th hit. And he could have made that night about him. He could have been the star of the night. Nicky Lopez made his debut, but I'm the guy that got my 500th career hit. That's a milestone that I want to be able to soak in. He didn't do that. Instead, this is what it sounded like postgame. 500, I actually didn't know until they put it on the board. So, um, But I was glad to score on his. He's got... 2,999 to go, so he's in chip away again tomorrow. Just getting started. All right, Whit, congratulations. Great job tonight. Let's bring in the man who made his big league debut, Nicky Lopez. All right, Nicky. Now that this is all sunk in, you said earlier that you hadn't stopped smiling, and clearly you have not stopped smiling. What was this experience like for you tonight? Uh, this is everything I've dreamed of um, and more. I'm just uh, happy to... By the way, that's the first time we've ever had a splash from the guy that just did the interview. That's remarkable. That's what leadership looks like on display. When you're looking for what are the elements that a team needs when they're going through a rebuild, what are the elements that a team needs to be able to win a championship? The number one thing you need is a clear-cut leader. doesn't have to be a guy that's going to be rah-rah. Um, he doesn't have to be the guy that's going to be leading the, the charge at the beginning of the game with a pregame speech or something like that. Don't need that necessarily. You need a guy that when the, when the chips are down, when somebody needs to say the thing that needs to be said, and that's not easy to do. Not everybody has this in them. You need that guy to step up and say the thing that needs to be said. And it seems very clear to me that the Royals have that. Whit Merrifield is that guy in that clubhouse. Whit Merrifield is the guy who, when the Royals are considering bringing up a 23-year-old prospect who's batting 375 down in AAA and the team is struggling, Whit Merrifield goes to Ned Yost and says, bring him up, I'll be fine playing in the outfield. Think about that as a star, because that's what Whit Merrifield is. Whit Merrifield right now is one of the 10 to 15 best players in the American League. And he went to his manager and said, I'm willing to move because our team's struggling and we need this kid to play the position that I would prefer to play. That's selfless. That's leadership. That's what teams need. And so when you're looking at this team and you're saying to yourself, do they have the ingredients? Where, where, where is all this going? What's the future look like? They've got really important things. They've got a superstar potential player in Adalberto Mondesi. They've got their leader and potential face of the franchise in Whit Merrifield. They've got a guy who's going to be batting towards the top of the lineup, won't strike out, give the, gives them some of the identity that they had in 2015 with Nicky Lopez. They've got Salvador Perez, who's the fun-loving guy that's going to keep the clubhouse light. And they've got Hunter Dozier, who's the surprise that came in here out of nowhere. You've got all of that. All you need now is the pitching. And that's easier said than done, especially given the track record of this front office. But if the Royals are able to find a couple of surprises in whether it's free agency or the draft, 
and they're able to continue developing developing these guys that are down in single A, they might not be as far away as we all think. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kiley. Ben Alpert helping us out on the other side of the glass. Get involved in the Protein House. Eat with a Purpose text line at 69306. I'm also on Twitter at BK Sports Talk. Coming up next, Seth Kaiser is a film analyst for The Athletic. He writes about the Chiefs. I want to ask him if you would enjoy writing about the Chiefs having Le'Veon Bell. We'll discuss it next. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kiley. Ben Alpert helping us out on the other side of the glass. Coming up in just about 10 minutes, the Chiefs signed Debo to a 10, oh, not a 10-day contract. That's NBA style right there. A one-day contract. I think he's one of the most underrated Chiefs players in the last 20 years. So we'll discuss that coming up here in just about 10 minutes. You guys can get involved in the show. The Protein LC with the Purpose X line is 69306. Hit me up on Twitter as well, at BK Sports Talk. But right now, we're going out to the leadoff hotline to talk to our friend Seth Kaiser. He's a Chiefs film analyst for The Athletic. You can read his work there. You can also follow him on Twitter. He's at RealMNChiefsFan. Seth, how you doing this morning, man? Always appreciate the time. Hey, I'm doing pretty well, man. It's always it's always good to chat with you. Just uh, fighting off the allergies up here in Minnesota. Oh, it's the best down here in Kansas City. We are uh, we are expecting. They said a non-zero chance of tornadoes, so that's that's fantastic. Can't wait for it. It's gonna be great. Non-zero. Yikes. <laughs> exactly. It said it, it is. It's unlikely, but a non-zero <laughs> chance of tornadoes. So it's gonna be great. As I said, we were talking with Seth Kaiser. He's the Chiefs film analyst for The Athletic. All right, Seth, um, let's start with this. Earlier this week, the Chiefs added to their defense. They traded a sixth-round pick for a linebacker by the name of Darren Lee. What did you think about the move? I like it. Um, I'm still sifting through his film. Uh, I plan on getting a film review up on him probably early next week. For me, it takes time. I'm one of those freaks. I insist on charting like every snap for like five or six games before I can feel like I know a player. One thing I can see from him is he's got a ton of speed. He's he's solid in coverage. He gets proper depth. He he seems like he can do sideline to sideline. He basically is, is is a will linebacker, which is Something the Chiefs, they, they have maybe in Dorian O'Daniel, but you can't be 100% sure. And so I like the fact that he's different from Hitchens, Ragland, Wilson. He provides something that they didn't have, which is a proven quality starter at the position. I, I love Dorian O'Daniel, but he's not, you know, he's not as proven. And so I like the move. I mean, you basically gave him away for a, a you know, a song and a dance. You, you got him. And so... It, it, you get him in a contract year. He's got every motivation to play as well as possible. I, I like it a lot. It, it added talent to a position group that I know some people are concerned about. And now we're at a point to where, from all appearances, it'll be maybe Wilson, Hitchens, and then Lee, with uh, O'Daniel playing more of a, of a nickel role and that kind of thing. And I'm actually very comfortable with that trio as your, as your linebacker group. We were looking at this earlier today, Seth, and out of the 11 starters that the Chiefs had last year, only four are expected to be starters again this year. It's Chris Jones, Derek Noddy, Anthony Hitchens, and then uh, Kendall Fuller on the outside at corner. Yeah. When you look at this defense, and you, I mean, you grinded the film as much as anybody on the defense from last year. 
is it even fair at this point to compare it to what they did last year? Because it's, it's it's a totally different scheme, a totally different coaching staff, and now the personnel is just it's it's not it doesn't even resemble what they had a year ago. I don't I don't know if you can necessarily compare function because, like you said, totally different scheme. And here's the interesting thing: even when they run similar things in terms of personnel, you know, people make too big a deal about the shift from a thirty-four to a forty-three. Right. You're talking like maybe 25% of the snaps there, but it's so different schematically. Uh, you know, what Spagnolo does and what Sutton does are just very different things in terms of assignment and scheme. And so functionally, I don't think you can really compare them much. I think it's going to be all results oriented. It's going to be, you know, do they improve? Not necessarily do they collect more stats or more whatever, but do they improve like with football outsiders DVOA? Are they allowing fewer yards per play? Are they more efficient overall? I think that's the only way you can compare. And obviously with this much overhaul, you are basically saying we recognize there was a huge issue here and we are going to fix it. And so I've seen someone say this, I think it might have even been you guys, talking about the fact that Veach has really put his stamp on the defense. Like, this is like the biggest overhaul since he arrived. I mean, the offense is pretty much, you know, Pat Mahomes, a lot of guys that Dorsey drafted. The defense is now Brett Veach's baby. It is, and we're talking with Seth Kaiser of The Athletic. You can read his work there and check him out on Twitter, at fan. The one question that I still have for the defense, and I know I, I make people mad because I hone on hone in on it a lot, but I think it is a, a legitimate issue, but the cornerback spot. They've got Bashad Breeland, yep. who they brought in, but then other than that, it's basically the same guys as a year ago. Trivarius Ward, Kendall Fuller, those are expected to be the starters for you this year. How concerned yep. or how not concerned are you, I guess, is another option about the corners that the Chiefs have right now. You know, I just wrote about this, an article that came out yesterday. I've been beating the Patrick Peterson drum forever um, for a variety of reasons because of what you're talking about. I personally really like the Bashad Breeland signing. He's played played well at corner for three years in a row, including last year where he jumped into Green Bay midseason, had to learn a completely new scheme, and he still played well. He played in slot, which is not ideal for his skill set, and he still did well. So that's impressive to me. I view him as a proven solid corner. I view Kendall Fuller as a proven good corner with possibly a higher ceiling, like what he did in Washington. But then after that, you've got, you know, Ward, who has played uh, basically four or five games, right? And then you've got a bunch of question marks. You've got a few other guys. After Ward, you've got a bunch of rookies and then a few journeymen who have bounced around the league. And that's it. And so, no matter what, even if you get your best-case scenario, and let's say Ward plays really well, like he did to close out the year last year, you're one injury away from a completely terrifying situation. And that is not where you want to be with corner. You don't want to only be three deep with guys you're comfortable with at corner. Um, And that's concerning for me. And that's, again, in your best-case scenario, where everyone plays like you're hoping they'll play. And then there's also the issue of maybe top-level talent. Kendall Fuller played decently last year, not as well as he played in Washington the year before. So you've got to wonder, who is that top guy? Who's that guy when they play, you know, whatever, if you play a team like the Texans, who's that guy that you can point to, DeAndre Hopkins? And no one can shut down Hopkins. But you need someone who can at least try to go shot for shot with him. Do they have that guy? 
And that's a question mark, too. So I think it's easily the biggest question mark on the team. People talk about, like, wide receiver and that kind of stuff. I think, look, it's an Andy Reid-led offense with Patrick Mahomes quarterbacking. It's going to be good. <laughs> it's inevitable, right? Yeah. Whereas, like, that corner situation, that's problematic. Andy Reid found a way to win, like, 10 games without a wide receiver catching a touchdown over the course of the entire season <laughs> with Alex Smith leading the offense. Like, I think he's going to find a way to make the offense work. The question is now, can he get some stops? When you got a third down and you're in the AFC Championship game going up against Tom Brady, can you find a way oh. to get one stop? That's all you need, just yeah, one. one. One out of, like, ten would be amazing. You know, just one third and ten stop you would be absolutely, and I completely agree. What I keep telling people is, you know, people say, oh, man, is the offense going to take a huge step back? Is it going to fall out of the top ten? The Chiefs had a top-five offense in 2017 mm-hmm. with Tyree Kill in a more limited role, with no Sammy Watkins, with a worse offensive line group overall, in my opinion, and with Alex Smith at quarterback instead of Patrick Mahomes. They're going to be a good offense, a very, very good offense. But like you said, can you get one stop? And not necessarily can you play well against like the Cincinnati Bengals during the regular season, but can you, like you said, the AFC Championship, get just one, just a couple, something to help the offense out to where it doesn't have to be these shootouts because that's what the Chiefs kept losing last year. They, they had to have the ball last, or they knew they would lose. And that's not something that can be repeated again. And the problem is, like what you're saying, and you know, people get bothered that you keep saying it, I think that means you should shout it even louder. <laughs> the corner situation is really the last thing standing. Right. They address safety. They've addressed the front four really well, I think. Um, now they've addressed the linebackers, and I think with Wilson as a Sam and Lee as a, as a Will and Hitchens as a, as a Mike, I think they're doing all right there. The last thing standing is this corner group, and it's really frustrating if you feel like you're one step away and not doing anything about it. Right, and and that's what's frustrating, I think, for me is like, Okay, great. You replace Steve Nelson with Bashad Breland. I like it. It's 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 a it's a yeah. good move. You got cheaper. You get probably a fourth round comp pick as a result. So you basically traded Steve Nelson for cap space plus Bashad Breland plus a twenty twenty fourth round pick. Really smart <laughs> move, Brad Veach. I like it. That's a great job. Now go finish the yeah. position. Like now go go upgrade and continue to do so. We're talking with Seth Kaiser. He's the Chiefs film analyst for the Athletic, and you can follow him on Twitter at Real MN Chiefs fan. All right, Seth, I wanted to throw one more thing at you. Um, You said you think the offense is going to be really good next year. I agree with you. I do think there is one thing based on news that we heard yesterday. I'm going to play a clip for you. We can react to it on the other side because John Clayton went on a radio station in Pittsburgh and said this about Le'Veon Bell. Is is there a chance they would trade him before the season started? Any chance? If, If a team is interested, yeah. I can see it. I don't know what team right now is looking for a running back, but I think that Adam would do that in a second. Okay, so he's talking about Adam Gase, who is the head coach <laughs> and the general manager now for the New York Jets, who just what traded tire fire. <laughs> he just Sorry. traded the former first round pick Darren Lee to the Chiefs for a sixth round pick after allegedly, <laughs> uh, reportedly, their former GM was holding out hope to get at least a fourth or a fifth round pick. For Darren Lee. It right. took like 24 hours, and Adam Gase was like, screw it. Just take the sixth-round pick. That's fine. That's great. <laughs> so he's now talking. This is, again, John Clayton, not some random guy in the media just kind of spouting off. This is John Clayton, a well-respected analyst, a well-respected reporter for for 20 years in the NFL, 
saying that the Jets would love to trade Le'Veon Bell. A few specifics. Le'Veon Bell is owed $3.5 million to a team that would trade for him this year. It would then be owed $13.5 million next year. That's a lot of money for a one-year deal, but $13.5 million on basically a franchise tag next year. And then any team that trades for him can cut him with no dead money. So it's a two-year, $17 million contract. If I told you right now, Seth Kaiser, that the Chiefs could trade, let's say next year's third-round pick or a conditional third, something like that, would you be interested in doing that if you're the Chiefs? For Le'Veon Bell? Absolutely. And here's, here's the reason why. Bell is a unique running back. Everyone knows it. Probably the best running back in the NFL. Probably. And he also is such an exceptional receiver that he fits beautifully into what the Chiefs are trying to do. And so, I mean, it's not like they can't create the cap space that they would need in ter- you know, get rid of another running back or two. I, and I'm a, I'm a big believer that, you know, the whole running backs don't matter movement, the analytics behind it, I get all that. However, situationally, mm-hmm. changing from one running back to another does matter. Skill sets do matter. And the Chiefs are one situation where Le'Veon Bell would be actually a really great fit. And that's the funny thing. I wouldn't be in favor of giving Bell this massive contract sure. because I, ultimately we all have seen – We've seen what Spencer Ware has done in the offense. We've seen what Damian Williams has done. We've seen, you know, every running back has flourished. However, that deal, I mean, it's going to really, and that's why I started laughing because I saw that. It's just, what a tire fire. I mean, it's just so crazy that you would eat that kind of dead money if you're the Jets. That would just be crazy. It is. But, now, for what it's worth, and this should be stated, if you were to trade for him, I, I believe that the Chiefs would lose their fourth-round comp pick next year. So, like, you'd be giving up basically yeah. a fourth-rounder plus whatever you would also have to give up in terms of the draft pick compensation. So, it's more than just whatever you would trade, but you're also, you know, getting Le'Veon Bell and potentially winning a Super Bowl, which seems relevant here. Right. It's absolutely relevant. And when you look at the fact that the Chiefs have a lot of uncertainty with the, with the Tyreek Hill situation, mm-hmm. they don't know what's going to happen there. One way that they could compensate for that would be to run a ton of two running back sets. And, I mean, if you had two running backs set with Damian Williams and Le'Veon Bell, both of whom can line up in the slot and motion out and just completely destroy other teams' personnel groupings and scheme, why not do it? And so I would be perfectly okay because Le'Veon Bell is one of the few running backs that I think moves the needle enough in the passing game that there's, there, there's something to be had there. And, I mean, if you're if you're kind of looking to reformulate things a little bit, why not? I have no problem. I, I would if the Chiefs, you know, if everyone talks about AJ Green with the Bengals and what they have, if the Chiefs wanted to trade for AJ Green, I'm here for it. I would love to see them try to hang sixty a game on people. Hey, he is Seth Kaiser. He is tremendous. You can read his work over at the Athletic. He's a Chiefs film analyst. You can also follow him on Twitter at Real MN Chiefs fan. Seth, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for affirming my belief that the Chiefs should trade. <laughs> For Le'Veon Bell. We'll talk again soon, man. Thanks so much. Sounds great. Take care. Yeah, you bet. That is Seth Kaiser joining us here on the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. On the other side, I want to give you two numbers. One is the receiving numbers from Le'Veon Bell. The other is the receiving numbers from Sammy Watkins. We're going to have a quick discussion about that. Plus, I think Dwayne Bowe is one of the 20 or one of the most underrated players for the Chiefs of the last 20 years. We'll get into that next. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kylie, 610 Sports Radio.
Welcome back. It is the lead off on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. You guys can get involved in the show. The Protein House Eat with a Purpose text line is 69306. You can hit me up on Twitter as well. I'm at BK Sports Talk. If you missed our conversation with Seth Kaiser, I would highly recommend checking that out on the podcast page, 610sports.com or the radio.com app. So we were talking about Le'Veon Bell, and I mentioned I'm going to bring up two numbers. Two numbers. That's it. Just two. To show you the kind of impact that Le'Veon Bell could have on the Chiefs' offense if the Chiefs were to trade for him. Le'Veon Bell, over his last two seasons that he's played, 160 receptions for 1,200 yards. That's in the receiving game. Two years, 160 receptions, 1,200 yards. That's an average of 80 receptions for 650 yards. Sammy Watkins, the last two years he's played. 79 receptions for 1,100 yards total over the two seasons. Listen, I like Sammy Watkins. I've said on this very show, I think Sammy Watkins is actually underrated by Chiefs fans. Also, if you're adding Le'Veon Bell, you're not just adding a running back. You're adding a receiver. You're adding a guy who's going to be used in the passing game in a big way. He would be the best receiving back that Andy Reid's had in his offense since Darren Sproles, probably. That that's the kind of back that you're getting. So I I'm all in, man. I'm all in. I would love to see it. I, if I had to be honest for a second, like a moment of truth serum here, me being honest with the audience, I don't think he's going to get traded. I think the ownership's going to step in because I think it was an ownership signing to bring Le'Veon Bell into New York. I think ownership's going to come in and say, we're not trading Le'Veon Bell. We're not doing that. That's going to be look, be a terrible look. We're not doing this. But if he were to be traded, I would hope that it would be to Kansas city. Because I think that's the kind of move that you do if you're a team that's in a win-now mode, and the Chiefs are clearly in that, and you say, this is the move that's going to put us over the top. Maybe that means you can't trade for a corner. If you got Le'Veon Bell and Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey the first six weeks of the season, and you add in Tyreek Hill and Mecole Hardman becomes something at some point, okay, now you're getting interesting. Now you got an offense that maybe you don't take a step back from where you were last year. So that's the reason why I would be in favor of that. So, earlier this week, the Chiefs did this. Mahomes uses it, sings it over the middle, it is caught. Touchdown, Kansas City! Right on the money to Dwayne Bow. Chiefs gave Dwayne Bow a one-day contract. They gave Dwayne Bow a one-day contract. Dwayne Bow, we're not talking about Jamal Charles. We're not talking about Derek Johnson. Dwayne Bow got a one-day contract to retire as Chief. And I'll be damned if he didn't deserve it. Dwayne Bowe was awesome, man. Dwayne Bowe was so much fun to watch. And in his prime, he was robbed. Let me give you the list of quarterbacks that Dwayne Bowe caught passes from when he was in his prime. Listen to this list. This is, this is a tragedy. This is a tragedy that I'm about to list off. And you remember this if you're a Chiefs fan because you watched it as well. Damon Heward, Brody Croyle, Tyler Thigpen, Matt Castle, Tyler Palco, Kyle Orton, Brady Quinn, seven quarterbacks, all of whom were awful. Every single one of them were terrible. That's the thing that you would typically hear when we're talking about Dwayne Bowe and somebody would say, yeah, man, that guy was underrated. Look at the quarterbacks that he threw, he was with. Let me give you another reason why his life was a living hell for this five, six years that he was in his prime. Here's the list of the number two wide receivers by year during his prime. Jeff Webb. Mark Bradley, Bobby Wade, Chris Chambers, Steve Breston, Dexter McCluster. Do you remember Jeff Webb? 
I'm being serious. Jeff Webb was he he's actually a salesperson here. <laughs> he he works downstairs. Jeff Webb is the guy that sold our advertising. I, I'm kidding, of course. Mark Bradley? Who the hell is Mark Bradley? Why was he a number two receiver for a team in the last decade? Bobby Wade? Who the hell is Bobby Wade? I I legitimately don't remember these people. I am a I am as big of a Chiefs fan as you will ever meet. I love this team. I grew up with this team. I'm from Kansas City. I love the Kansas City Chiefs. Who is Jeff Wade? Who is Jeff Webb? And who is Bobby Wade? And why were they number two receivers for a legitimate NFL team in the last decade? How did this happen? This is what Dwayne Bowe was dealing with. Dwayne Bowe had Damon Heward and Tyler Palco and Matt Castle and Tyler Thigpen and Brody Croyle throwing him passes while the defense was real worried about Jeff Webb and Mark Bradley and Bobby Wade and Steve Breston beating him deep on the other side. So, yeah, I'm willing to be over here and cape for the fact that Dwayne Bowe is one of the more underrated players in Chief history. By the way, I do think it's worth noting the Chiefs are known for two things. Well, three things, really, one of which is playoff disappointments, but we don't have to get into that now. I, I feel like that's a little bit of a low blow given where we are in our lives. And given the fact that, you know, we've got Patrick Mahomes now, so it doesn't matter anymore. The Chiefs are known for two positions specifically. Running back and linebacker. If you really had to in one sentence, like kind of sum up why the Chiefs have had the struggles that they have in the playoffs, I think it'd be that. Because... If you were looking at the two least valuable positions in the NFL right now, it is literally running back and linebacker. And those are the two positions that the Chiefs are known for. By the way, to cap this conversation off, Dwayne Bowe is second all-time in Chiefs history in receiving yards. Now, that sounds really impressive. Until I tell you that Henry Marshall is third, Carlos Carson is fourth, Chris Buford is sixth, Derek Alexander is eighth, and Tyreek Hill, who has played for the team for three years, is ninth. So, uh, by the way, this is among receivers. It, the Chiefs have had a really, really awful history at receiver. Dwayne Bowe, one of the more underrated players in the last 20 years. He did deserve a one-day contract. He's just not in the same conversation with Derek Johnson or, uh, or, or, or Jamal Charles. But Dwayne Bowe, one of my favorite players. And severely underrated because of the quarterbacks and receivers that he played alongside. Coming up next, we'll finish this thing off with the Brett Veach special and why Le'Veon Bell actually makes sense for the Chiefs. It's all coming up next. It is the leadoff. I'm Brandon Kiley on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kiley. Ben Alpert helping us out on the other side of the glass. If you've missed anything today, Craig Brown was great on the Royals in the 10 o'clock hour. Seth Kaiser was fantastic talking about the Chiefs in the 11 o'clock hour. We've had a lot of fun today. So the podcast page is on 610sports.com. You can also check it out on the radio.com app. I would highly recommend downloading that and then subscribing to our podcast feed if you could. So we've been talking a lot about the Chiefs today. I think it's time to give Brett Veach a little credit because Brett Veach very clearly has learned from the mistakes of others. And he has decided he's going to play the stock market. He's going to buy some lottery tickets. He's going to buy low on a stock. And he's going to try to sell high if he can. The w- thing that I am talking about, of course, is the move that he made earlier this week. The Chiefs traded a 2020 second-round pick for Darren Lee. 
Darren Lee is a failed linebacker from the New York Jets, but a former first-round pick. He was the 20th overall pick for the Jets, and he's really fast. He can cover pretty well. He was in a bad system for what he does well, and the Chiefs are hoping they can make it better by bringing him here and bringing him into Steve Spagnuolo's system. This is not the first time that Brett Veach has done this. He did it with Reggie Ragland. He traded a fourth-round pick for him to the Bills. He was a former second-round pick by the Bills. He did it with Cam Irving. Cam Irving was a first-round pick for the Browns. Brett Veach traded a fifth-round pick for him. This is really smart. This is the type of thing where you're buying low on a player who you think was in a bad system, a bad situation, wasn't working out for whatever reason. You bring them into your system, and you believe that with Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo and the new defensive staff, they can get the most out of this guy. Sometimes it works. Other times it fails. I would say Reggie Ragland was like the average case study of this. Worked out for a little while. Ultimately, he might not make the team this year. When you look back on it, you'd probably rather have a fourth-round pick than him. But over the long haul, those fourth-round picks rarely work out. The fifth-round picks very rarely work out. The sixth-round pick that you spent on getting Darren Lee almost never becomes anything meaningful. You got like a 5% chance of anything meaningful coming through that sixth-round pick compared to, what, let's say a 30% 30 chance or so that Darren Lee becomes at least a capable starter for the Chiefs. That's worth it. These are the types of moves that Brett Veach has really excelled at since he became the Chiefs general manager. I was looking the other day at the Chiefs overall roster, right, from top to bottom. If you could say anything about Brett Veach, it is that he's really improved the depth of the roster. You can disagree with some of the starters. Like, maybe you have an issue with the fact that without Tyreek Hill, the Chiefs are probably going to be starting Demarcus Robinson. That's fine. I can agree with you. But the depth at receiver is pretty nice. They just don't have necessarily a frontline starter when Tyree kills out. I feel like that's nitpicking because it's hard to replace Tyree kill, especially as late as they had, they found out that they were probably going to have to for the first six weeks of the season, but understood nonetheless. I can understand the frustrations at corner. Bashad Breland, Traverius Ward, and Kendall Fuller. It's not a great top three as the cornerback unit. But everywhere else on the defensive side of the ball, they are good at the top. And they are certainly deep. And so when you look at the 90-man roster, the 53-man roster, stuff like that, that is where Brett Veach has really excelled in his young general manager career. And it's because of moves like what we saw earlier this week, trading a sixth-round pick for Darren Lee. That's a really, really, really smart move by Brett Veach. There's another smart move that I would love to see Veach make. I don't know how realistic it is, but when I heard John Clayton go on the radio yesterday in Pittsburgh on 93.7 The Fan, and he said this, I got really interested. Is it? Is there a chance they would trade him before the season started? Any chance? If, if a team is interested, yeah, I can see it. I don't know what team right now is looking for a running back, but I think that Adam would do that in a second. Excuse me, what? He just said that Adam, Adam, who he's referring to, is Adam Gase. He is the new, he's the new head coach and now very new general manager for the New York Jets. There were reports earlier this week when the GM was fired from the Jets that Adam Gase didn't love the fact that his team spent a bunch of money on a running back. And so apparently, as a way to get rid of that running back, he might be interested in trading him. I'm here to tell you the Chiefs should be interested. If you're looking at the price and you're saying to yourself, but BK, 
The Jets just paid him a lot of money. There's no way the Chiefs could be able to spend that on a running back. Understood, and if the Chiefs are taking on the whole contract, I'd be with you, but they're not. $8 million has already been paid in signing bonus. $3 million already been paid in a roster bonus. The last two years of the deal, completely non-guaranteed. The Chiefs could cut him after two years, and they wouldn't owe him a penny for the last two years of the deal. Le'Veon Bell, if he were to be traded, would cost his new team $3.5 million this year, $13.5 million next year. Now, that's a lot of money in year two, especially for a running back. Totally understand. If you're saying to yourself, I just don't want to pay a running back $13.5 million for a one-year deal in year two, I get it. That's fair. But if you're looking at it in the whole, which is how these contracts kind of have to be looked at, if I told you going into the offseason that the Chiefs could have Le'Veon Bell for a two-year $17 million contract, sign me up. I'm in. Let's do that. Absolutely. You're telling me I can get one of the five best running backs in the league, one of the 25 best pass catchers in the league for a two-year $17 million contract? Hell yeah, man. I'm in. Do you know how much Sammy Watkins is making this year? $17 million. So I get for two years what I'm paying this year for Sammy Watkins? Yeah. Let's sign up for that. So I don't know what it would cost. I don't know what the Jets are going to be looking for. Maybe it's a third-round pick. Maybe they're looking for a second-round pick, in which case I would say let's just not do that. That's not worth the price. But if the Jets are looking for third, fourth-round pick, you can trade that to them. Say it's a conditional, right? Like if Le'Veon Bell gives you X, so he gives you 1,200 yards from scrimmage next year, it would be a good year. If he gives you that, then they get a third-round pick. If he gives you less than that, then you give him a fourth-round pick. I'd be interested in that. Le'Veon Bell is one of the best running backs in the league. The Chiefs have a need right now for another pass catcher. Over the last two years, he's averaged 80 receptions. Le'Veon Bell is really, really good. Do the Chiefs need a running back? No, not necessarily. But the Chiefs need a pass catcher. And Le'Veon Bell is one of the best weapons in the NFL. And if you can add that guy into your roster and John Clayton says you can. Is, it, is there a chance they would trade him before the season started? Any chance? If a team is interested, yeah, I can see it. I don't know what team right now is looking for a running back, but I think that Adam would do that in a second. If that is true, if the if the Jets are actually potentially listening to trades for Le'Veon Bell, Brett Veach should get on the phone tomorrow, he, really today. He should call Adam Gay and say, Adam, we just got a deal done in good faith for Darren Lee. I want to make another deal. We will take Le'Veon Bell off of your hands. You don't have to worry about it anymore. You don't want him on your roster. We totally understand that. And so we're going to help you out. We're going to give you a fourth-round pick, and you guys are going to give us Le'Veon Bell. You don't have to worry about it anymore. You're the coach. You can wash your hands of this. This was never your mistake. This was the old GM's mistake. He was the one that signed Le'Veon Bell. You didn't even want him. So if you didn't want him, you got a fourth-round pick for a guy you never wanted on the roster. No harm, no foul. You can give him to us. You don't have to worry about it anymore. You can be over there with Elijah McGuire. That can be your running back for the future. You guys have fun with that. We'll take Le'Veon Bell off of your hands. That sounds like a good deal to me. You're telling me you could get one of the five best running backs in the league and you could put him in the offense with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and eventually probably Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. Man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested in this. This sounds fun to me. 
this sounds like a team that could potentially put up 30 points a game again. And I'm interested in watching that. I don't know about you guys. I had a lot of fun watching the offense last year. I would love to watch an offense that's as good as they were last year because that was fun, man. And you add that with the Honey Badger and Frank Clark and Darren Lee and all these pieces that they've added in the offseason, man. Now we're starting to cook with gas over here. Now we're starting to look at the Chiefs as not just a legitimate contender for the Super Bowl, which is what they are right now. Now we're looking at them as like 07 Pats type of interesting. That's maybe getting a little too carried away. But I find this to be a fascinating possibility because it is so rare that a team signs a guy and then three months later you hear trade conversations about him. And normally, I would say there's no chance of this happening. Normally, I would say this is absurd. But because of what the Giants just did with Odell Beckham, I have to at least lead some credence to the fact that this is possible. Odell Beckham counted for like $20 million against the cap this year, and he's not playing for the New York Giants. I just want to get rid of him. If that's going to be the case in New York for the Giants, why couldn't it be the case in New York for the Jets? It's been an awesome show for you guys today. Seth Kaiser was fantastic in the 11 o'clock hour. We had a great conversation with Craig Brown in the 10 o'clock hour. We talked to him about the Royals' new core. The fact that I think you can legitimately make the case that the Royals have six of their nine positions locked and loaded for next year. It's kind of an amazing thing. I don't think they're as far away as people think. Plus, we talked about why Alex Gordon should be welcomed back with open arms by the Royals next year. And Whit Merrifield, man, that's the leader every team needs. He's the guy that you need to be able to go on and move forward and have that winning culture inside of your organization. I'm Brandon Kylie. You can give me a follow on Twitter. I am at BK Sports Talk. Always get involved in the show, 69306. Coming up next, it is Nick Price, Dusty Likens. They've got Out of Bounds. Check out the podcast page, 610sports.com. Download the radio.com app for Ben Alpert. I'm Brandon Kylie. This has been the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kylie, 610 Sports Radio. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.